Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Good morning. Today is Monday, April 4th, and I'm your host, Rena Sherbel. Our top stories today. Diamond sounds alarm, Lithuania cuts off Russian gas, and Starbucks founder takes reins as CEO. Leading today's news, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon wrote in his annual letter to shareholders, which is a widely read letter in the business community, that the confluence of the dramatic stimulus-fueled recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic, the likely need for rapidly raising rates, and the required reversal of QE, as well as the war in Ukraine and sanctions on Russia, may be unprecedented. They present completely different circumstances than what we've experienced in the past and dramatically increase the risks ahead. While it is possible and hopeful that all of the events will have peaceful resolutions, we should prepare for the potential negative outcomes. The U.S. economy is strong, with the consumer in excellent financial shape on average and leverage among the lowest on record. Excellent mortgage underwriting, even though we've had some home price appreciation, plentiful jobs, with wage increases, and more than $2 trillion in excess savings, mostly due to government stimulus. Banks also performed magnificently during the COVID-19 crisis, helping to weather the terrible financial storm while setting aside extensive reserves for potential future loan losses. The war in Ukraine and the sanctions on Russia at a minimum will slow the global economy, and it could easily get worse. It is also clear that trade and supply chains, where they affect matters of national security, need to be restructured. You simply cannot rely on countries with different strategic interests for critical goods and services. Such reorganization does not need to be a disaster or decoupling. With thoughtful analysis and execution, it should be rational and orderly. This is in everyone's best interest. Diamond noted his disclaimer that, I should remind the reader that we normally don't worry about or even try to predict normal fluctuations of the economy. In all times, we are prepared for difficult markets and severe recessions, as well as for unpredictable events, not only so we will survive them, but also so we can be there for our clients when they need us the most. However, sometimes there are powerful underlying structural trends that we must try to understand, since their impact can be so large with widespread impact on many parts of human existence. In response to the invasion in Ukraine, over the weekend, Lithuania became the first EU nation to end imports of Russian gas completely. Their prime minister tweeted, From now and so on, Lithuania won't be consuming a cubic centimeter of toxic Russian gas. The country has turned to liquefied natural gas for its energy needs after emphasizing energy security and opening an LNG terminal in 2014. Lithuania's president added, If we can do it, the rest of Europe can do it too. The EU currently gets about 40% of its natural gas from Russia, which powers everything from household heating to factory production, and makes up about 25% of the bloc's total energy consumption. Momentum is building in Germany for a ban on Russian oil and gas. The country has already announced it would be virtually independent by the end of 2022, with Italy's foreign minister revealing that there could soon be a debate on the issue of imports of hydrocarbons from Russia. Last month, the U.S. pledged to boost LNG supplies to Europe after announcing its own ban on Russian oil, gas, and coal imports. Back in the 60s and 70s, things were a lot different, when Europe supplied itself with nearly all of its natural gas needs. Production dropped off after North Sea gas fields became depleted, which prompted the continent to look for foreign suppliers. Russia's reserves were larger and cheaper than any other nearby sources, so infrastructure and pipelines were built to easily connect the grids. Generating EU power from coal and nuclear 
has also been phased out in recent decades due to renewable energy goals and anti-nuclear movements. Baristas at Starbucks Reserve Roastery in New York City voted 46 to 36 in favor of forming a union as labor campaigns intensify across the country. The location is the ninth company-owned Starbucks to unionize, with another 140 stores across 27 states filing for union recognition since the first bombshell victory seen in Buffalo last fall. To date, only one location that filed for elections has chosen against unionizing under Workers United, an affiliate of the Service Employees International Union. Today, former Starbucks CEO and founder Howard Schultz takes back the reins of the coffee chain for the third time after CEO Kevin Johnson announced his retirement on March 16th. In the past, Schultz has said no employee whom Starbucks calls partners has ever needed a representative and expressed his disappointment with unionization drives. Companies are often wary of unions as they can interfere with their autonomy and productivity, though Starbucks does have serious cash to keep fighting, with annual revenue last year of $29 billion. Schultz could also seek to shift the conversation, especially with Starbucks shares declining nearly 22% since the start of the year. He already has a town hall planned for Monday, where he will likely discuss a focus on takeaway-oriented locations, higher costs, and the competition. In a press release early Monday, Schultz also suspended billions of dollars in share of purchases to free up cash to invest in cafes and employees. Schultz wrote, I am returning to the company to work with all of you to design our next Starbucks, an evolution of our company deep with purpose, where we each have agency and where we work together to create a positive impact in the world. The big wins in the restaurant industry, where there are almost no unions, are heating up organized labor and advocacy nationwide. On Friday, Amazon lost efforts to stop unionization at its JFK 8 warehouse on Staten Island, marking the first ever labor foothold at the retail giant's U.S. operations. President Biden promised to be the most pro-union president in American history, declaring on many occasions that unions built the middle class. In other corporate governance news, The Very Good Food announced that Mitchell Scott's employment as CEO has been terminated effective immediately. James Davison has resigned as Chief Research and Development Officer and as a board member effective April 1, 2022. The company has temporarily created an executive committee consisting of senior executives from within the company to appoint a new CEO. Q4 and fiscal year 21 earnings are scheduled for April 6th. China's largest electric vehicle maker, BYD, said that as of last month, it stopped making combustion engine vehicles and now produces full electric and heavily electrified plug-in hybrid cars only. The company said in a statement filed to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange on Sunday, in the future, BYD will focus on pure electric and plug-in hybrids in the automobile sector. BYD will not completely stop making gasoline engines since smaller, highly efficient engines will continue to be used in plug-in hybrid cars. Its move is in response to Beijing's pledge to boost green energy consumption to bring carbon emissions to a peak by 2030. The company also said in the statement it will continue providing comprehensive services and supplies of spare parts throughout the life cycle to existing fuel vehicle customers. Tesla is trading slightly higher in early action on Monday after the company delivered 310,000 vehicles in Q1 to miss the consensus mark of 312,000 vehicles. Wedbush Securities characterized the deliveries tally as better than feared following light whisper numbers that came in late in the quarter amid new COVID shutdowns in China and massive logistics complications delivering units to customers in Europe. Analyst Dan Ives estimated roughly 20 to 25,000 units were pushed out of Q1 into Q2 
due to the logistical and factory issues and said the underlying demand number still looks strong with a robust trajectory for the rest of 2022. The firm maintained an outperform rating on Tesla and assigned a price target of $1,400 following the quarterly deliveries update. Shares of Tesla rose just over 1% in pre-market trading. Earlier on Monday, Elon Musk disclosed that he took a passive stake of over 9% in Twitter, which sent those shares higher as well. With expected returns for stocks to meaningfully lower over the next decade, it's time for investors to diversify into other asset classes. But how do you know which ones and how do you stay a step ahead of the Fed? Eric Basmagian runs EPB Macro Research, which models its portfolio on Ray Dalio's all-weather portfolio, providing clear and actionable economic research that will allow you to profit in all economic environments and avoid costly drawdowns. You can try EPB Macro Research Marketplace service for free if you sign up today. As of 6.20 a.m. today, global markets are up. U.S. futures, the Dow was up 0.1%, S&P up 0.2%, and NASDAQ, yes, up 0.3%. Crude is down 0.4%, gold is up 0.4%, and Bitcoin is down 0.6%. The 10-year Treasury yield is up two basis points to 2.4%. Look for factory orders report at 10 a.m. Eastern. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, the Cannabis Investing Podcast and Marketplace Roundtable Podcast on those platforms as well. Have a wonderful day.